0: I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us.
1: <laughs> it's probably like getting Great ten sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time. Whether you know, there's two types of turds. You're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're
0: we we are about players and players
1: playing the plays,
0: and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson, sitting across from me this week. The man, the myth, the legend
1: like the intro hello
0: (laughs) i'm good how are you i'm okay we are a few days away from the national signing day that um neither of us actually remembered what day it was actually on it's (laughs) wednesday february 5th but i think that goes to show um just how important this secondary signing day is um we're gonna get to that we'll talk a little bit about recruiting we'll talk a little bit about the running back room We could talk a little bit about All-Star NBA snubs just to piss Jacob off when he listens to this a week after the fact. Um, First, I will say, though, if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, this is for the people who are listening. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, we had Luke Gifford on, and that was awesome. I I love always talking um, to—always love getting to talk to Luke Gifford. He's great. Uh, he could probably have a career in sports media when it's he definitely could. I listened to the pod. Yeah, it was very good. He's, um, he's he could do good. that. Yeah, we yeah. talked about Isaac Gifford. We talked about uh, his year with the Dallas Cowboys, and we talked about kind of Nebraska's defense going forward. So I would uh, strongly encourage going and listening to that. Um, find the podcast wherever you listen to it. Leave us a review. Leave us a five-star rating, please. It helps. Um, and keep reading com and subscribe to the magazine if you haven't already. The new one is out. And it's pretty good. Greg has a feature on Turner Corcoran in there. So make sure you try to get that. Greg?
1: It, it is strong.
0: You want to talk about recruiting first? <laughs> we could. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. So the National Signing Day, not the early signing period, but the National Signing Day. It's like they want this one to be the primary one, but this one with the the, the advent of the early signing period has really become the secondary. Like if you got one or two kids left, like you're going to take them. You had something that I found interesting. You tweeted uh, either Thursday or Wednesday that, like, Nebraska's kids are getting looked at by other big-name schools. Mm -hmm. Don't panic. That's supposed to happen. And really, like, it kind of feels like that's all that's left in terms of – difference makers in recruiting classes this late in the state this late in the game now is is trying to poach somebody from somebody else's class like is there do you feel that way or is there anybody else still on Nebraska's board that you think could, could um, make a difference to this class or change the perception, or, or maybe like try to change the perception of how we view this class
1: um no and I meant more like that too was more about Next year's class, about the 21 class, um, oh. because of all of the things that are happening with that. And we'll get to that in a second. But that still applies for the 2020 class as well. It just wouldn't have happened right now um, because those players were being poached before the December signing period. So, like, and I, we may have talked about this on a previous pod, like, you know, Savion Morrison getting late. Um, offers or Marvin Scott getting that Ole Miss offer late, or Turner Corcoran um, having all of the schools still after him, or Logan Smothers trying to get Ohio State trying to get him to take an official visit the last weekend before the December signing period. Like, I could really probably do that for almost all of the class. That is a very good thing um, to hold those guys off. But now I was talking about like the 2021 guys that Nebraska is already kind of down the road with and had identified early, a lot of those guys have blown up over the last week. Um, In particular, since it feels like since Nebraska had them on campus, and I'm sure that was not kind of the starting point for those other schools. I'm sure they were evaluating them before that, Um, but it is just odd that, like, Keegan Johnson from Bellevue West came to Nebraska's campus and had been here a couple of times, and then all of a sudden Kansas State and Iowa um, also jumped in. Or What's going on with Thomas Bedoni, the four-star tight end from Council Bluffs who's gotten offers from everyone and every coach, it feels like, came through Council Bluffs this week. Um, There's a lot of other guys like that, too. But with the 2020 group, we're really only talking about two names right now. Um defensive end Tanavai Tanoa, um, big defensive end out of Utah who came for an official visit actually in December, but elected not to sign. Is that Tanavai Noah just trying to get an extra four years of eligibility? <laughs> no, it, that would be funny, <laughs> um, but it's not. I never thought about that until you said that. Um, the, he visited in December, elected not to sign in December, was still taking some visits, um... I don't know that he's going to end up at Nebraska. You also have Chris Abrams-Drain, Strain, who was the only 2020 official visitor to come to Nebraska during this month, which tells you a lot about what's happening with 2020 recruiting for Nebraska. Like, it just really is non existent. I don't think he's coming to Nebraska either. Spoiler alert. Um, he probably goes somewhere in the SEC, probably Missouri. Um, I think Tanoa ends up at Utah. Well, everyone that's committed right now is signed. Yeah, like so many guys, I think I don't know the exact percentage, but it, it's got to be in the nineties. Like it, it's it's a large percentage. So what's happened with this February signing period now is it's really for schools that went through a coaching transition, which really sucks. If <laughs> you're a school that went through a coaching transition, because think about the the small pool of players that you're all having to pick over if you're. Ole Miss or Florida State or some of those schools that kind of went through a little more (laughs) tumultuous times to get to their um, coaching change. Like, if you had something like Mississippi State, where didn't that happen right after the signing period. I feel mm-hmm. like all those guys... So they, And that's the only reason that they have all those guys still kind of in their class, right? Otherwise, um, they'd be in that same boat. So it's, it's changed dramatically with the advent of this early signing period in a way that I thought it would change some stuff, but I didn't think that it would be quite this dramatic. And I, I don't know if that's... It's not necessarily good or bad, Unless your team's going through a coaching change. If you're going through a coaching change, this isn't good for you. Yeah. Specifically on Nebraska, though, they're at
0: 84 scholarships, play, scholarship players right now heading into the 2020 season. So it would make more sense to hold some spots open for – because I, I think they're assuming transfers. A handful of um, guys will continue to leave the program. They already had a couple, but a handful more will more will leave. If I can talk – I can't talk today, apparently – um, is it one of those
1: situations where you feel like they're going to be active in the grad transfer market? I do, I do think that they'll be active in looking. Um, I've been curious, and what we, we're starting to get enough um, data here on how Nebraska handles the transfer portal and guys coming in. It does not feel like they're always super active in that. Right? Like it, it feels like it doesn't feel like whereas like the like fans and I guess this all the time, any time a guy puts his name in the transfer portal, especially if they are a tall wide receiver, an offensive lineman, and a front seven defensive player Like, fans are going nuts saying Nebraska should contact him, and I don't know that Nebraska is always (laughs) contacting those guys at the rate that Nebraska fans think that they should. Um, They just assess the need a little bit differently, but there's a couple of different ways that they can go with those two additional spots because they can elect to chase grad transfers or guys that are just traditional transfers um, as we go along, especially because a new batch will come open or come available after spring ball. You can also roll those over to next year. Because the twenty twenty one class is shaping up to be another strong year. If they get off to a hot start, they may want to have a couple extra spots for that class. And I don't I wouldn't be mad at that, at, at that strategy. Um but also if they're at eighty four scholarships right now, keep in mind Isaac Gifford is going on scholarship, who we opened up talking about, so there's one and I think Luke Reimer is going on scholarship. So I mean one of the linebackers one. is going on scholarship. Yeah, I think or I think Joey Johnson. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. So even if you say just either one, then they're going to need those scholarships, and they're still, like you said, going to have guys still leave the program as well. Did you uh, were you surprised at all by
0: um, Jalen Bradley's departure? It seemed like if it, it to me, it seemed like that was something that probably, or I would have guessed, would have happened last year, and then it didn't. And then he was around, and I thought, okay, well, maybe he's just sticking it out. Maybe there's a reason he's sticking it out. Because him and and Javon McQuitty, to me, felt like two guys who uh, were going to leave at the same time or who should have left at the same time. And McQuitty is still here, and Bradley has now gone. Do you expect there to be a a couple more of those types of cases where guys are like, we've been waiting for it, and they finally just pull the trigger this year? Or were you a little bit surprised by
1: Jalen um I was not surprised by Jalen I'm I agree and disagree with you about the last year thing I think that it depends on what timing we're talking about if we're talking about around August um then yeah I could see that but this time last year no because if you think back to this time last year like he had a shot to make a move. Like, that was his time. I mean, once time. you get through – once you had gotten through spring
0: ball last year and the talk was Brody Belt and not Jalen Bradley, like, that was the – Okay, time yeah, I that – Yes, said, that's, right, I'm totally with to you. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that's what – Yeah,
1: that's what built to. Yes, I, I agree with you there that if at that point, if I'm him, I'm thinking, ooh, this might not be – it might not happen for me here. Yeah. Um, And I do expect to see more guys leave. And there, there are spots on the team. And you mentioned McQuitty, but wide receiver – I just feel like someone's going to have to go at wide receiver because you just have too many new bodies coming in, and so someone's going to be hurt and upset about not getting playing time. Okay, this like, it's gonna going to happen to be like, popular, but I don't
0: think that Cade Warner is in the plans. Is that crazy to like? I, like he's been okay for them, and he he's been relied on for them over the yeah. last two years, almost kind of. It's it's crazy to think about. But now they have their guys, and they have a room that looks like the way that they want it to look. Like, I don't think... Like, if we're talking about Darian Chase or Cade Warner,
1: I would think that Chase would get those snaps. That will be interesting to see, because I've not considered that, because he's been... Warner has... I feel like he's one of those guys that, like, his contribution has been overstated, but at the same time... He gives you something. <laughs> that sounds so bad, but I, can't, I don't know how else to say that. Um, My question is just why has he not been put on scholarship yet? Yeah?
0: Two years of being a guy where, you know, they're talking about, like, oh, man, we just need to get Cade Warner back. Why has he not been put on scholarship yet? You have your top three guys, not to totally, you know, now we're talking about wide receivers. You have your top three guys in Omar Manning and J.D. Spielman and Wanda Robinson, and then you have a whole slew of freshmen and redshirt freshmen that you want to get on the field. Mm-hmm. And Javon McQuitty still, I feel like those guys would would the ceiling at least with the guys that they have brought in the scholarship guys for their system is higher than Cade Warner. Kate, I mean, you know what you're going to get from Kate at this point.
1: Especially if you really think about it, especially if you get if Omar Manning, like say Omar Manning and Xavier Betts, like are splitting time. At one of those wide receiver positions, and they give you more of a receiving threat, but they also give you the blocking that Cade Warner gave you. Then, yeah, I don't see how he's getting out there. So, I so I I kind of agree with you there. I never I had not considered that until you kind of mentioned it because I've always kind of considered him as part of the plan. But if you think about it that way, then really maybe not. Yeah, but I never. But but what you said about why hasn't he put been put on scholarship yet? Especially given all the wide receiver struggles, the only thing that I that that leads me to believe logically is they were waiting to see if they got more of their guys in. They got a lot more guys. In, what was it five wide receivers um, that they signed? Yeah, Xavier like, Betts,
0: Omar Manning, Marcus Fleming, Alante Brown,
1: and Will Nixon. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. And that and the, but again, that's why I say that someone. In that someone from that wide receiver room that was already here before those guys get here is going to leave. Like it would just it would be surprising to me if that does not happen. Um, it just it makes too much sense to me. Are they going after any big name wide receivers in the twenty twenty one class? Um, big name? I don't know if, if I would say big name. They've got some good prospects that are that they've been talking to um jace williams kid from michigan that was here last weekend a 6-3 kid um brody brecht is a six three six four kid out of iowa um really good athlete so they've got they've got some guys i don't know if they have like big national recruits or at least they haven't blossomed into that yet um but that will be really interesting to me because they can be very selective in that is what is is it 11 or 12 scholarship wide receivers that they have right now um and they've brought in the majority of those, then they, they, they have the and they're so young at <laughs> that position, that they have the opportunity to really be selective in that, which is a good position to be in if you get a couple of those guys to step up this year. Like, a couple of them have to play well so that you start to feel really good about that depth. Nine, 10,
0: eleven. Eleven scholarship wide receivers. And Ty Han walk-on kid that who will go on at some point as well people really like yeah and kid Warner. so 11 scholarship guys and two more maybe what's then the offensive uh priority for the 2021 recruiting class because in the 2020 class it was wide receiver right
1: yeah that's a that's a really good question like the top because it's to it obviously the, change. Yeah, see, and that's the thing. And one thing that I've been uh, trying to make sure to say, and I've said this a couple of times this week in different things that I've written, is that these things change as you go through the season. Wide receiver was important this time last year for the 2020 recruiting class, but once we started the games, we knew <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt that wide receiver was going to be a really big deal in that class, right? Um, so we'll see because if you just kind of talk through it, Wide receiver has a lot of young potential. Offensive line has a lot of young potential. Running back will have young potential. Quarterback has a lot of young potential, right? So then tight end, you have a lot of guys there. And I'd like to, I like some of the players in that room. So I don't know where you would say, okay, there's a super pressing knee that they go out and get position X on the offensive side of the ball, which is actually a good thing. <laughs> And tells you what they've been doing on the recruiting trail because I make an argument that every position on the offense, they can they can be selective this year and take guys that they really like. So on the offensive line, a guy like Teddy Perhaska, who's a top 150 recruit in the country, he like just happens to be right here um, and was always going to come here, but that's the type of level of player that you really can afford to go after. Or Thomas Fedoni, the tight end who they really love, um, who's continued to get a uh, higher and higher profile. Like those are the types of prospects that you can go after. You know that that's what they're going to do at running back. <laughs> you, they just know that that's what, how that's going to go. Um, um, and then quarterback to me is going to just be fascinating for this cycle um because i'll say it again and I'm multiple times on record of this it's gonna it would be tough if i were a 2021 quarterback to look at this situation and go yeah sign me up like it's just the reality of it like sorry <laughs> it's just tough is it one of those situations where because they
0: recruit that room so well or they have i guess you know we're work- we're expecting that or assuming that that's going to continue, but like because they've recruited that room so well for three years now that you're going to have like a one or two year lull where nobody wants to come be a part of it. Then you have to build
1: it back up again. So maybe, but I think I don't think it would go more than one year. With this staff, like I think that they, and I, I know that they have 2022 20, guys that they really, really like, and some, and a, a, the guy that I'm always talking about is Walker Howard down in Louisiana, who's going to be a major, major recruit. Um, they've gone and seen him during the contact period, uh, Frost and Verdusco. Um, so I don't think that they'll go a long time with that, just because they have such a focus on making sure that the quarterback position is taken care of. It won't be a Tommy Armstrong multi-year starter but you don't really develop anything behind him type of situation with these guys Good. Uh, yes and it shouldn't it should be that it's way it should be yeah yeah any other uh 2021
0: class thoughts that you want to get on record before we transition to some running back talk
1: um no not not, <laughs> not right now no okay i like where they are though i will say that i like where 2021 is heading, and I think that there are a number of their top targets that they sit in a very, very good position with. Um, and a lot of guys that will be making decisions over the spring and summer. And so we'll know on some of these guys and not that long.
0: Okay. Let's switch over to the running backs. Uh, I, I just got done writing about them, so this is kind oh. of fresh in my head. I think this room is really interesting because um, you kind of mentioned this off-pod. You brought this up off-pod. Uh, Savion Morrison and Marvin Scott aren't getting here until the summer, so w- this will be the second spring ball in a row that we've gone through where the running back room is not fully loaded. You think that is potentially something to monitor?
1: I do I, because I, I feel like it, would this be, would it be every year that Frost has been here, we're waiting through the spring. For a running back or running backs to arrive to change the makeup of the room, because Greg Bell was here in 2018 for spring ball, but Maurice Washington, and Maurice was
0: not. Was and then last year, obviously, it was yeah. Roddy Bell and Jalen Bradley, where everybody else got in the summer.
1: And then this year will be Mills, Ramir Johnson, and then waiting on Savion and Marvin. I don't think so because.
0: At some point, they're going to have a like two or three year starter at running back, where they're they're not like, okay, this is an open competition again at the end of the season. Like, like twenty eighteen, of left, and the, I mean, when they got there, they really had no idea what they were going to get out of the running back room mm-hmm. or who was going to be the guy. And then it turns into a and then he's a senior, so he's leaving, and then you're you're having to build up the room because. Greg Bell left midseason, and so you don't really have anything to work with in the spring. But then this year, like, I don't think it's an issue. You've got Dedrick Mills.
1: And Ramirez Johnson. I feel like we should not forget him and in that Tompkins. equation.
0: Because Frost said, Frost said he would be ready for spring ball. That was the plan. I'll be curious to see that.
1: Um, which, if that's the plan, great. Um, because he's a complete wild card in the situation. Because if you get... Anything from him in the spring, as talented as he was in high school, like that would be great. Um, and so, yeah, so, okay, you've talked me into it a little bit, that it would be. it's a little bit different. Um, it's definitely different than last year. Like, I would definitely say that, because, it, 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 I mean, we just knew, basically, the guys that were here in the spring were not going to be the main guys, and they were waiting for those other guys to get here. Um, this year, I think the big storyline of this spring will be the progress of Ramir Johnson. I like can seeing how, how much pressure he can take off of Dedrick Mills. Because I think Dietrich Mills is the starter. I think he's the guy. Like I think he should be the guy. But I think that Ramir Johnson, because you know that you're going to have to have a second running back in this system at all times, I think that his progress will be really interesting to follow. So the thing that I think will be the key of the spring is the thing. You, you, so you, you
0: said he should be the guy. Okay. That to me is the key. Will he be? Mills. Yeah. Will he be? Are they? Will they just let him run wild? Because he averaged, what did he average? Like five. I think he was at 5.2 yards a carry last year. Yeah, 5.2. But he only carried it 143 times. Adrian Martinez carried it 144 times. The percentage of quarterback involvement in the run game was so much greater in 2019 than it was in 2018 when they had Divino Sigbo and Greg Bell and Maurice Washington. And I understand that. Um, Washington's injury and Tompkins' injury, I guess, to some extent, and Wondell Robinson's injury, though I don't know if if his usage was if that was what they were expecting all year long or or what, but um, injuries played a factor in that, but they still seemed reluctant at times to give Dedrick Mills the ball. And I don't know if that is going to change this year. Like, it should. I think they were a better rushing team when he was kind of running the ball and he was being allowed to, like, work himself. He just feels like that old kind of workhorse running back that needs to massage himself into a game before he can really get up and going, as opposed to a guy like they want who can just go in there for five or six plays and then come back out and sit on the bench for a series and then come back out.
1: I agree. And I think that, I actually think that part of, to me, part of why it feels like Mills was more effective – when they started to relent and let him do that is because it also lets your offensive line build up as well and lets them go to work and there's a different mindset and mentality for them when they're going out there and blocking knowing that they're going to be trying to pave the way for Mills and 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 run that type of set. And that's why I'm, I'm kind of interested as much as we, we started off talking about the wide receivers and I think that the group will be much improved um, over last year just by, Then it kind of has to be for a number of reasons, but one, I think it's more talented now. Um, But I still think that the running game, and if we're taking, and I think it was, I think they ran the ball more than they threw it last year, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken. But I would slide that even a little bit further towards running more because I think the offense is better when they do that.
0: Yeah, they ran it a lot more than they did.
1: Yeah, because, and I think that people are not, because I remember being surprised when I saw that. Um, and I don't, I think that most people assume that they did, that was not the case, but they did run it a lot more than well, they
0: Well, because when Frost was at Central Florida, it was much more um, of a democracy. They were so much closer to 50 50 run pass than mm-hmm. they have been in the first two years here. And, and it's, I think it's like a, a little bit closer to 60 40 run pass here as opposed to 50-50. The thing that will be interesting to me, and we're not going to get like a clear-cut answer to this in spring ball, we're going to have to wait through fall and then into a little bit into the beginning of the season, is um, what they did at Oregon when they found Royce Freeman. And Royce Freeman kind of started to come into his own. He was, I think, pretty similar to Dedrick Mills in terms of running style. And they kind of adjusted... now. Granted, that it was on the heels of losing Marcus Mariota, so the offense was going to adjust anyway. But they kind of adjusted what they were doing to Royce Freeman, and they just let him run wild. And They let him be the offensive engine and the hub for the offense, and, and, it, and it worked. And he had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Like I wonder if they either view Dedrick Mills in that same light as Royce Freeman or if they're um, – I don't want to say open because – like, they're going to do what they feel is best for the the offense. But if that's something that we see them getting even more run heavy to where it sets up the play-action pass, as opposed to RPO stuff constantly where Adrian Martinez is running it. I don't want Adrian Martinez to be the leading rusher again two seasons in a row. I don't no, think that's good for him.
1: I don't either, but I also think a lot of that, I wonder if how much of that also comes down to if they're – if they're better at running those plays, is, for lack of a better phrase, like if, they, if they're averaging more yards per play, if they're more explosive, like it, how that changes the equation. But I think that your question about Diedrich Mills and his usage and if they want to slide more towards running the ball and the Royce Freeman comparison would actually be a really good question for Matt Lubick. Like I think that that would be something that, you know, it would be really interesting to get someone who has not been here and is getting fresh eyes on the situation, Mm -hmm. like how he views that, because that's going to be something that would also be fascinating. And the whole thing is when he comes in and evaluates the offense that I'm sure he's been doing, like I wonder what he thinks about which direction it should be going. And with Frost seemingly trusting him and his opinion, how that will all interplay together. Well, the other side of this is the offensive line has to be better, right? Mm-hmm. For the run game, like, it's, it's,
0: it's a partnership. They have to be better. Greg Austin is the run game coordinator. So, like, they like. does he think that the, his offensive line played better last year when it was running the kinds of plays that Dedrick Mills was having success on?
1: I mean, if the numbers so, might back that up. Well, Like, if you think you, about when they started getting better and when he started.
0: <laughs> let me give you two numbers. Dedrick averaged 5.2 yards a carry last year on 143 carries, and he had an explosive run rate of 18.2%, which is really, really high. It's really good. Eighteen po- almost, Nearly one out of every five carries went for 10 yards with Dedrick Mills. That's really good. That's really good. That I think that's going to be interesting as well, is um, where are Greg Austin's fingerprints on the run game?
1: I can see that going. But it's funny because I I see that going well, and I I still think to me, and maybe it's just my bias coming into it, I just think that they need to run the ball even more. Like, And it's so weird because I have not run the ball guy by any stretch of the imagination at all. Um, I prefer offenses that throw the ball, but I, I think that what we saw towards the end of last year, to me, says that they need to ride Dedrick Mills more. And I think that it was kind of, it's kind of a lightning rod for the offense and it got guys going to be able to do it. Now, there's all sorts of stuff within that um, and them needing to finish drives and all of that and get all, all into all of that. And they still need to be more explosive in in general, especially for the type of offense that they want to be. Um, and they need Adrian to have, be better, all of that. Um, but I think, to me, it starts with them being able to run the ball effectively and consistently and stick to it. Tell me if I'm wrong with this characterization. Are they an offense
0: that throws to set up the run in the sense that they are spread um, at their very core and they want to throw screen passes, they want to throw perimeter kind of bubble stuff, get guys in space, so you spread the defense out so you're not working with eight-man boxes, and then you can run stuff up the middle. That was, I I think, you know, Maurice Washington's usage last season was so fascinating because they wanted him to run up the middle, because they were having no success going up the middle and he kept bouncing stuff outside and having success with that. And then they would bring Dedrick Mills in and he would run up the middle and it would be better for him. Mm. So like, it, are they a team that's just going to, or is this a coaching staff that's just going to say, yeah, we're just going to run to set up the pass instead of throwing to set up the run? Or do you, would you even categorize them as a team that threw to set up the run?
1: I would categorize categorize them as a team that spreads you out to set up the run which is kind of the same. Um, because I do think that they want to utilize those perimeter guys to make it so that you can't load the box up and so that they can get the numbers inside. But then if you then have to cheat inside, they then have the numbers outside for a J.D. Spielman or a Wondell Robinson. Like I think that, or in this season, Omar Manny. So, yeah, I think that that is, I do think that, that is how they want to set things up. And that is extremely effective if a couple of key things happen. One, you have to block, <laughs> um, which there were numerous problems with that all over the place, both inside and outside. Um, you have to be timely with those throws, which we also had all sorts of problems with. And then, like you had problems with them in the beginning of the season, when you're running those plays up the middle or inside, you have to have the The vision to be able to see where you're supposed to go and have that comfort level within the offense to know what you're supposed to do there. Dedrick Mills did not have that early in the year. He had it much later, which also helped him, in addition to the offensive line, getting better. Two questions for you. Do you feel like Wando Robinson is
0: going to have the same kind of role with the running game this year as he did last year? And do you think, and I guess these will work in tandem, do you think one of Savion Morrison or Marvin Scott is a top three guy
1: on the depth chart this season? I do not think that Wondell will have the same running game role that he had last year. I think that it will be more sprinkled in, which was the plan to begin with, and then him playing out in space. And as far as Morrison or Scott, I will say yes, one of those two will be the number three running back this year. Do those influence each other, or is it a case of, like,
0: one of those guys is going to play because one of those guys is good, and Wandale is not going to play as much running back because
1: they just need to save his body. It needs to be that one of them is good and that they they that one of those guys comes in this summer and Held and Frost and Lubick say, Okay, we feel good to not put Wandale back there because... Savion Morrison, we know that he can handle five carries a game, right? Um, that's what it needs to be, and I think that that's what ends up happening. And I don't know if it's Savion or Marvin. I go back and forth. <laughs> Which of those two I think will be better quicker? I tend to think it's going to be Marvin Scott just because his body is more ready. Um, but by no means am I discounting Savion or like his ability in the short or long term. I think he's going to be really good. I think he would be the better or
0: he will be the better running back for them, but I think Marvin Scott will be playing
1: earlier. Just because, like, I can just see him, yeah, I could body. just see him being a guy, that, I can see Marvin Scott being a guy this year that can get five carries a game, and that's really all you need him to do, which actually can set up really nicely if Dedrick Mills is getting 18-22, to Ramir is getting, say, 7 or 8, and then Marvin Scott is getting, say, five, and then whatever's left is for your QB run game that you want to minimize anyway, and I do too. Um, and it also makes that QB run game more dangerous because then Adrian's not taking so many hits. Mm-hmm. And sorry to the people that are yelling right now at the radio or in their headphones or wherever that I've assumed Adrian as the starter. Sorry, guys. Do we have Get used to, to it. Do we have to preface that now with, please don't yell at me for saying this? I mean... It's insane. It is. Insane. To me, it is too. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say it. Just to throw it out there. There will be a competition. But, I mean... Yeah, in the it's same winning way the that, that
0: there's a competition every There was a competition last year.
1: Yeah. No, it's going to be like... I won't... I honestly don't look forward to this. But the spring talk about Luke and Logan is... <laughs> It's going to be something, um, depending on how available Adrian is, like that's going to be. Luke's (laughs) numbers from last year are so interesting.
0: He he was really good running the ball.
1: Because he's so, he's very, very good at that. Like he's just naturally good at running the football. and and, And their
0: propensity to run him made it so much more effective when he actually threw the ball because he didn't throw it very often but when he did it was was, 12 times it was a play action pass and there was a guy 20 yards downfield open because of it which and he was making throws on the run
1: which in a lot of ways excuse me is how it that this offense in, in part is supposed to work like those guys are supposed to be running open and you're supposed to be yeah that's so it'll That'll be something to, to watch and to see how the coaching staff talks about those guys as they progress through the spring, too, because I feel like they're going to try to tamp down the expectations to keep people from running wild. Which, they should. Yeah. Because <laughs> Adrian should be the guy. You want Ju- i have said junior, this before. I'll say it again. You want him to be the guy. It raises the ceiling of the offense and of the team's level of success if Adrian Martinez is back in the form that you hoped that he would be. Yep.
0: I kind of want to ask you your thoughts about who LeBron James should pick in the All-Star game. <laughs> I mean... I kind of want to ask your thoughts. Who are the starters, by the way? Who were voted the starters? Do you have I, them in front of me? I do not. Uh, I don't have them. Okay, I actually do have them in front of me. Okay, so LeBron and Giannis are the two captains.
1: Again, two years uh, in a row, right?
0: Yeah, yep. LeBron is the top vote getter in the West. Giannis was the top vote-getter in the East. In the West, it's Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, and Luka Doncic okay. to round out the starting five. In the East, it is Kimball Walker, Trey Young, Pascal Siakam, and Joel Embiid. Is
1: Chris Middleton not on there? No. A starter? No. Are you kidding me? No, not a starter. No, we're no. talking about starters. Oh, okay, sorry. Okay, sorry. Say, say those, say the Eastern Conference guys again. I'm sorry. Okay. I, yeah, I, I locked into...
0: Kimball Walker, Trey Young... Pascal Siakam, and Joel Embiid. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write on the dry erase board. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, let's just say LeBron gets the first pick. Okay. Do you think he's Team Tamper again this year?
1: <laughs> no, I think he got his guy... Which was a great moment if you don't remember from last year when they did the draft and he took AD. And, G- and Giannis said, Isn't that tampering? Like, yeah. it was great. That was a great moment. Um, no, I think he takes AD, even though he actually joked um, in a post game, I think last week, and said he might not like him like that to take him first again. <laughs> um, but it was just, he was just being funny. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so AD, I think, is the first pick for LeBron. All
0: right. If I'm Giannis, I would probably take Kawhi. So then who would your second pick be?
1: Luca. Luka. No uh, I take the no, if I'm Lebron like this for my own selfish interest, I want it to be Trey Young <laughs> like
0: I want your own selfish interest being LeBron or your own selfish interest being Greg Smith. me fantasy owner yeah, of Trae Young. well,
1: that too, but <laughs> all of the above because I want to see LeBron, A.D. and Trey Young <laughs> on the team together.
0: You're not going to get Trey Young from the Atlanta Hawks
1: like i'm I'm just saying I just want to see him out there, man. So um, then, who is Giannis taking? Uh, Luca. Yeah. And then LeBron is taking Harden. So, so far it's. And then Giannis
0: would take Kemba. So then it's and then, Siakam
1: and Embiid. So leave so LeBron with Embiid. So then it would be LeBron, AD, Trey, Harden, and Embiid. Yeah
0: Yikes Good luck It's a pretty big lineup (laughs) Do you feel like There were any All-Star snubs? Bradley Beal Their team is
1: Garbage It it really is Like And one of the things Like it's It's odd Because He's uh, He was obviously Really upset And I saw the um, The Statement from his agent As well Was also really upset The agent mentioned Like him not jumping On a bandwagon And leaving Washington And yada yada But I mean, you also have to have a better team. Like, part of, and it's the same argument I have for Devin Booker. Like, sorry, whatever. At some point, as a guard, as a ball handler, you have to, in this day and age, you have to lift your team to some wins. Especially if you're in a smaller market or a market that is not on TV a lot, it's just not a market that people pay attention to. Trey Young is gets to kind of be the exception to that though Atlanta is a bigger market because he's so ridiculous <laughs> like so and he's and his game is just made for so much for 2020 because he produces so many highlights um but it's not he's not just a highlight player he's putting up legitimate ridiculous stats um so it's just going to be tough like but I don't I, Brad Beal to me is the guy that I like while his team is garbage I would put him in So the East Reserves were Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Chris
0: Middleton, Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, and Domas Sabonis. You would have replaced Sabonis for Beal,
1: probably? Or Um, Middleton? Middleton was the guy, my first guy that I thought of, actually. I think Sabonis is really good. I think he's really good, too. Yeah. Um, It would have been Middleton for me. I just, but I also, for some reason, I don't view Chris Middleton as all that good. But that might just be a me thing. And I, I, don't know. I have a problem with this. The whole um, Bradley
0: Beal gets a pass for his team being garbage. Devin Booker gets a pass for his team consistently being garbage. Like Russell Westbrook lost Kevin Durant, and the Thunder replaced him with Kyle Singler in the starting five, and Russell Westbrook won an MVP, and got the Thunder to forty six wins in the NBA playoffs. Is like, the same thing I think about. Kyle with- Singler was playing like twenty minutes a game that season. That was my nightmare. I lived through for eighty-two games of Kyle Singler. <laughs> I'm sorry. Immediately I'm sorry. after the season, he w- he's nowhere to be found. He's not in the NBA anymore. Is he he might not be playing overseas. I didn't he's not that. good. <laughs> eighty-two games of Kyle Singler. Russell Westbrook watching him brick jump shot after jump shot after jump shot. Cam Mack watching the Ivonne Drago <laughs> blow laps to <laughs> yeah, talk to Russell Westbrook
1: about what that yeah. feels like. And Russell got them to 46 wins. Yeah. AD did the same thing when he was in New Orleans on those bad teams. When yeah. you're a guard, and your when you're a guard on the like game. <laughs> in in
0: modern day basketball like I understand the whole it's a team game five guys on the court blah 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 basketball is the one sport where an individual player can have the most profound impact on winning like it, like especially we, when, like think think the the ball, <laughs> we like to think it's the quarterback we like to think it's the quarterback in football but Mario Verduzco will tell you this in 2018 Nebraska football proved this it's not always just the quarterback that can influence winning um I don't know. I just don't think those guys should get a pass when their teams are terrible, especially for the All-Star game. Like, when you're differentiating between a bunch of guys with insane numbers.
1: Yeah, it's not like team, you're team picking guys that have bad numbers. Like team it's, performance like, has to come into play. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So then, what we're saying then, at the in the end, there were ex- no snubs. I didn't expect to have to talk about Kyle Singler. Talk about Kyle Singler, man.
0: Ooh, still raw up some bad memories yeah see <laughs> which is still crazy cuz that year was so much fun but also Except not it also was Kyle not Singler. fun cuz it was Kyle Singler man that was a rookie Domas Sabonis being a stretch 4 perimeter shooter instead of the interior post guy that he's supposed to be and Victor Oladipo getting asked to play off the ball and Kyle Singler being asked to shoot
1: I'm sorry, like, I didn't see the Kyle Singler rant coming. <laughs> like, I Dad bod
0: Raymond Felton. Yeah. yeah. who's also hasn't been athletic ha- for 10 years. Like, he wasn't
1: athletic when he was a good athlete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. anytime someone says, like, one guy can't do it on their own, I'm just like, look at Russell Westbrook in his 2016 MVP campaign. Oh, no,
1: it's a, also a little bit more of an extreme example, but... LeBron James on the Cleveland teams that went to the finals like you're not going to everyone's not going to be LeBron it's like but it's El-Gosses. also like yeah like, it can happen it can
0: anything else you want to talk about
1: No, <laughs> I'm just I'm not going to get that Kyle Sigler rant out of my mind <laughs> I appreciate that I need that laugh. oh man
0: Kyle Sigler those are bad memories they're just bad memories. I see. And he's he's, see. Like, he's like immediately out of the league after the year.
1: Those are always the worst, though, when your team is running a guy out there that is so bad, and then he's not even around. There
0: was like three dudes yeah, on that team. Like, like
1: Josh Hustis was on that team, and he's never been heard from again.
0: Yeah. Andre Robertson was on that team, and his it's he tight. just decided to stop working after the fact. Man. Man, man, man. All right, fine. We're going to wrap this up. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. <laughs> now that I'm upset, yep. I'm thinking about Kyle Singler. Oh, man. We will be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, keep reading com. Read Big Red Recon, which is out. Um, read Jacob Padilla's basketball coverage, which is always good. And uh, we'll be back next week.